Hey everyone, before we get started, just one quick correction from the episode. There is a moment where we talk about an interview that Burke has with Child Protective Services. Uh, we realize after the fact that it was actually uh, Department of Social Services. So uh, just wanted to make that quick correction just so there isn't any confusion or misinformation. Just wanted to put that out there. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Hi, this is Sean. I'm Liv. And welcome to Case Close. Question mark. What's up, everybody? Hi. Hope you guys had a great Christmas. Yeah. Hopefully not too much uh, food um, and lots of hot chocolate. Yes. Social distance if you wanted to. Yeah, whatever you, whatever your heart desires. Uh, we don't judge. Yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully you got everything you wanted and uh, you guys are just chilling. And uh, If you don't celebrate Christmas, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> hope, you had a, hope you had a great holiday have whatever. you seen the trend where more and more people are like trying christmas after mm -hmm. not being like quote-unquote christian or like not believing in christmas i have not no. it's so cool because like I, people from different religions are trying out other religions while they're quarantined like yeah. typically college you know roommates are trying out their, their yeah. other roommates right. religions i think it's so neat they're kind of yeah. I, I nannied for a Jewish family, so I really enjoyed oh, yeah. Hanukkah. <laughs> I, the idea it was really cool. I like to work. Oh, for sure, yeah. Season. So, I mean, I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now she's dressing her kid in Christmas colors, and I have a Hanukkah tree. Yeah. So we're just, hey. Susan, if you ever listen to this, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I hope you guys um, are ready for a uh a part two of the John Benet Ramsey case. Uh, this one, we're going to talk about the autopsy, and then we're going to also talk about theories. Um, we want to uh, outright. These are all put this theories. Disclaimer out there: these are all theories. Um, they are just pretty popular theories. Yep. So, um, if anybody connected to this is listening, please do not sue us. Well, because um, well, we know um, there's a certain family member who is a real Sue Happy. Yes. And has, like, what, $71 million in legal fees right now for, or not legal fees, but... Um, like, like legal, like... like Proceed. I don't know. Yeah, something He's like that. suing for, you know, around $71 million for a couple of different yeah. people. So uh, we want to put that out there, that if this ever gets to the ears of said person, these are all theories that are very public. They are not ours. We are just going to discuss our thoughts on those theories. Please do not sue us. I'll probably say that about seven times in this episode. You know what? Try me. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a theory. We're saying it's a theory. They have yeah. no legal grand. No legal grand. No lingual. No. <laughs> <laughs> no lingual. <laughs> no lingual grand. That's going in the... That's going in the... In the I'm going to just bloopers. leave it in the middle. It's fine. Um... Um, they have no legal ground to stand on. Yeah, well... Ta-da, that took me 17 tries. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, all right, well, let's get into autopsy. it. We're going to start with the autopsy. Yeah, super excited. Okay, so, I'm not excited. This is really sad. <laughs> I know. We, we say those things like we. what we mean by that is, is that this is... 
This, this is, is horrific. Like, this is an awful, awful thing to have happen. Yeah. I enjoy talking about medical sides, yeah. whether that's m- mental health or autopsies. Like I, that's my that's my thing. It's interesting stuff because yeah. like the things that you can learn about how somebody died oh, based yeah. off of the things that they find. I mean, I read a book. Two different books, actually, um, about... Um, Did you read them or did you listen to them? Well, I listen. We don't have to get into that. Um, <laughs> My husband but, doesn't read, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't read. I mean, listen. Uh, I can read. He okay. reads script pretty fine. I can read okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's two different books. Um, I can't remember the author's names, but the first one is All That Remains, and then uh, the, the other one is uh, Forensics. Uh, forensics is from the uh, perspective of a woman who um, was a forensic investigator over in the UK. Um, and I can't remember the name of uh, All That Remains, but it's also another female author. Um, but those are both really great books on forensics, if you're interested in that. Uh, I'll try and find the names and we'll link it in there. Um, but forensic is just like very interesting to hear the side and the autopsy of what was found and how that yeah. can link to what happened. Yeah, and I get excited talking about it because it it without our capabilities in forensics and how we've you know expanded technology and all the things our knowledge we wouldn't know what we do about what you know about cases and about cases would never get solved if we didn't have the advancements in forensics and forensic science that that we've had so that's why i get excited about. yeah oh for sure especially because this case has a lot of new technology that was entered in right so, um, this autopsy was done, so if you didn't listen to part one, uh, start there, because I'm not going to repeat <laughs> myself. Um, I probably will, because I repeat myself anyway, but I'm not going to give the whole story all over again, so right. start there. Everybody's heard of so I'm sure you already know without having to listen, but probably a good place to start if you need a refresher. So, the autopsy of John was conducted at 8 a.m. on December um, 27th. So the time of death was never officially named because they couldn't get one. They mm-hmm. weren't sure um, at what point she had died. Right. And her official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation and craniocerebral trauma. I'm trying to say that five times fast. That's why you read that. Uh, <laughs> craniocerebral. Um, so when you read that, you can read it one of two ways. You can read it as she died of strangulation and a brain injury, or you can read it as she died as a brain injury and strangulation. The way you read it, and I know it's in a certain order already, but the way you read it really does kind of change how you feel about oh, this sure. case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to get into the brain injury first. So there was a half inch deep, I'm going to say crack in her skull, um, that caused almost immediate brain damage. This would have caused her to, if she was standing, to fall down and not wake back up. Yeah. I mean, this 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 was a substantial... I mean, was, you say crack, it's it's it, a it's yeah. a complete just, like, gaping it, hole. Yeah, if I could find a picture of the model of a skull, um, I'll do that because yeah. I don't want to put an actual photo of the autopsy pictures because they're really morbid and they're really sad. Um, yeah. But this is, uh, yeah, yeah, crack is a very nice way to put it. There's a hole in her skull yeah. at this point. There was a three mag flashlight that fit perfectly into this crack. 
Um, so I think everybody kind of has seen a three mag flashlight, whether you necessarily know that that's what it is or not. Yeah. I kind of think of like police flashlights. Yeah, it's, it's the flashlights that police officers carry. I mean, right. so they're, just, they're big, they're heavy. Right. And the flashlight, like the light side of it is what would have been used to blinker in the head. Yeah. Um, and when lined up to this injury, it looks like that seems It's like to a be, perfect fit in, in, in what would yeah, be I don't think whole, you could find a better... Right indication of what it was um but we'll get into that when we get into theories as well but that that is something that they're pretty sure on you know right. is this three mag flashlight one of the first questions you kind of ask about this injury though is why didn't it believe and it's because the skin's very elastic and when she was hit and you also got to think about like your skull in general as a six-year-old they call it an egghead because yeah. it's super fragile. Right. And her actual skull would have only been one sixteenth of an inch. Right. So to be hit like that, your skin, I mean, it has a lot of buoyancy in it anyway. But when you look at a child's buoyancy in their skin, it takes right. a lot to kind of to break but it. But even if you were to, like, hit yourself, if you were to, like, hit yourself with a flashlight, it's On not necessarily yeah. going to oh, break yeah, the skin. Oh, yeah, it would bruise I mean, you. Yeah, it would definitely because there's nothing you. sharp. Right. I mean, if you look at a six-year-old who gets hit with anything, really, what did it take to cause blood? It was probably something sharp. Um, right. Typically, a blunt force trauma wouldn't cause bleeding unless it was, you would think, like, around the eyes. Mm-hmm. And that would probably cause more blood than around, um, like, the right. skull area. So, that's why it didn't bleed. Um, if it, it Honestly, if it wasn't for the fracture, we wouldn't even know what point of impact caused her brain to stop working because when she was hit it pretty much immediately bruised the right side of her brain and we would have known it was the right side but her entire brain kind of filled with blood right. and so we wouldn't have known the actual point of impact had it not been for her skull cracking right exactly yeah so like i said the skull is only one sixteenth of an inch super 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 tiny so it doesn't take a whole lot of force at all to no. break it one thing I will kind of talk about, it, it, it's just a fun, interesting fact, but, you know, you can bite your finger off with the same pressure it takes to to bite a carrot. Yeah. Super weird to think about because, like, that's super easy to do. I mean, don't try it, please. For right, the love please. of God, don't try it. Don't try it on somebody else. It is a good self-defense thing, though, if you, if you ever are in a situation. It's one thing that my dad said, you know, before is bite the finger off. Yeah. Because it's really easy to do. Um... But you, th- you can physically look at your finger and see how thick that is. That's bigger than one sixteenth of an inch. Yeah. And if it's that easy to break your finger, uh, imagine breaking her skull. Right. So um, it's really not that implausible to think that it uh, maybe a child could do it. Because honestly, a child could. Um, any child, I, 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 re- I would argue over the age of four and depending on the child, maybe even younger could break a skull. Oh yeah. Um, because it, especially if they don't know, cause your brain does stop if it's a person, but you know, if they're hitting something else, you think about how hard, like, like your nephew, if he's going to hit something, how hard he could hit. Oh, if my, he nephew at, to. my nephew at the age of three, he's a big He's a big three-year-old, but, like, let's, let's preface that. But at the age of three, he can do a good number on, on I you. I think if I gave him a watermelon and a bat, I think yeah, he can remember I, that probably. he's got it. I, I think so, yeah. I think he's not a violent kid, so I right, don't exactly. But I'm just saying, like, he he could have enough force right. to, uh, you know, 
you know, to hurt somebody. Right. If so that's, keep, to keep, keep it in keep, mind. Keep that I mean, in mind. When, you, when you talk about the amount of force, it really didn't take that much, even though this is such a gruesome injury. Right. It did not take what you think it does based off the injury. Definitely not, no. So... Then we're going to go into the garrot. So a garrot, we kind of talked about in the first episode, but I'm going to kind of go into explaining it a little bit better. When you strangle somebody, typically in this type of crime or a child crime, you don't use a garrot because it's so brutal. It is extremely brutal. Yeah. You would you typically see like manual strangulation or suffocation. Right. To use a garrot means to take a rope. A, or something similar to a rope, tie it onto something. So, like in this case, it was the paint handle, like the right. the paintbrush handle. Um, sometimes it's like a stick or something else that's right. that's like that. You take the rope, you tie it around the person's neck, tie it around the stick or whatever you're using for that time, and twist it like you're twisting a twist top until it's so tight the person stops breathing. Right. It's very. Very gruesome. And at, for her, the garrot was so tight around her neck, they initially didn't even see it um, at all. And they believe, and I believe from the autopsy, it was probably close, you know, put on her post-mortem or at least when she was brain dead. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely an afterthought. She was not strangled and then hit. She was definitely hit first. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whether sure. it caused her to stop breathing right then or not, it's a whole different story. But, you know, for sure, um, the garrote was placed after the fact. So that is also not in line with a heat-of-a-moment crime because it takes time. This was a complicated knot, for one, but for two, you're going to think about, I mean, I have a pencil in front of me, so if I take a pencil and a rope, I'm going to have to tie it around there and then put it over somebody's neck and then take it and then twist it. It's a lot of effort. For a six-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> for a heat-of-a-moment, this typically you see garrots in situations of people being kidnapped and um, held hostage. Right. Um, this is never something that you really see if you just even like kidnapping in a car yeah. or something like that. The garages are typically And it was used. obviously made in the house because it was from the paintbrush. Yes, angle, it was so. made in the house. So you can go back to timing of right. like the note and it's we'll get into that later. Time. It's a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that that was, I mean, it could it have had an issue with, you know, the brain injury could have caused, I'm not going to quote unquote strangulation or asphyxia because you stop breathing. Right. So it can kind of have the same effects on your lungs if you're brain dead and your brain, you think about people on ventilators that in, that are quote unquote brain dead, mm -hmm. they use the ventilator to keep their, their lungs working. Otherwise, it's not going to work and they would pass away. Right. Um, so if she's not given that option, she may have died from lack of oxygen to the brain, mm -hmm. um, which would have been looked at as asphyxia. So, but, so it could have kind of went either way. Um. Yeah. But I, I do I don't think the garage is what No, no, it doesn't there. that doesn't make sense that that would be what it was. Right. So next, you know, we talk about the duct tape that was found on her mouth. Um, but there was no signs of her trying to take it off. She wasn't licking it. If you think about um I mean, just think about yourself. If you put duct tape on your lips, the first thing you're gonna do is try to lick it off, like yeah. move your mouth to get it off. Her mouth is completely on there and typically when you pass away your tongue moves to a different position. Um, and hers was not found trying to protrude, yeah. meaning it was placed after the fact. Right. Um, so again, that's something to remember is, you know, she didn't 
she wasn't conscious when that was placed, yeah. and she wasn't conscious for the entire time. So, like, um, yeah, like, what's the point of putting the duct tape on it was if you show. know she's already dead? You know, yeah, it's obviously, it's a, it's for show, yeah. Right, and so that was probably, again, placed post-mortem, or at least while she was brain dead, um, because we don't know how long she was alive after the initial blow to the head. Right. Next, we talk about the ropes on her wrist. They didn't leave a mark. So, again, probably placed after the fact. Because um, I, I don't remember how tight they said they were. But, again, they didn't leave any marks. So, she wasn't moving to try to get them off. Which, it, which if, if you guys know any kid under the age of, like, of all, 10 <laughs> is not going to be able to sit still. No. And, like, especially if you're tying their hands together, yeah. there's going to be some... There's going to be some... They're going to move a little. You're going to see some sort of marks. But even in death, your body does move and twitch and do things. So um, for her hands to be tied, you would imagine, you know, your reflexes moving in any way may have caused some irritation. It did not. It didn't. So that's that's another thing to keep in mind. This is part of the autopsy report, too, because it does talk about, like, the lack of marks of what was going on. So... Then, one of the things that people really talked about was the DNA found on her underwear. It was probably a red herring, um, because what we saw saw in the documentary, you could take an underwear out of the pack and nobody touch it, and there'd be DNA on it. Um, Just because, I mean, it is handled by other people. Right. Um, You also got to think about the crime scene in general. It was so mishandled. Oh, yeah. And transfer DNA, if I went into a store and bumped into somebody and then went and bumped into you, that person's DNA might be on you or somebody else's DNA that they just bump into. So it could happen where that transfer DNA is just a complete red herring, and I do kind of believe, like, that's right. what happened. Um, same thing with the blood that was in her underwear. It was so tiny and wasn't really in a place that made sense for, yeah. a, like, a sexual assault. Um, and then when they talk about, like, the sexual assault, there was a very microscopic trace of wood that was found from her uh, genital testing. Again, this crime scene is so mishandled that the amount that was there didn't even make sense if it was something that ha- actually had happened. Right. Um, because there, there would have been more, um, instead of this really teeny, 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 teeny tiny, you know, speck of what is wood. So. Right. Um, I think that, again, was a red herring. It just happened to have, you know, be that the crime scene was so mishandled that oh, yeah. it got put in there. And they I mean, didn't she have was, to mention She was it. placed on the ground. Yeah, she, oh, yeah. She was placed on the ground twice in two twice. different rooms in front of the Christmas tree right. that was brought in. So, I, I mean. Could have been anything. It could have been anything. Yeah. So, then we're going to talk about the two marks on her back that were made, um, but they were made, they were two little, two little holes, but they were made when she didn't have circulation to the area. So one of two things, you know, in the documentary, they mentioned that this, again, this probably happened post-mortem because there was no blood coming to that area. Another thing I think of too is like taking, taking it and pushing it. If you hold it long enough, there's not any circulation there. So it kind of could have been either way. I do think it was probably post-mortem though, along with the rest of the things that happened post-mortem. Right. If it was the only thing, I'd probably question it um, more. But I, I I will give it the benefit of the doubt. It could be either way. It could have happened to move her and like push her somewhere. Yeah. Or could have been used to poke her after the fact. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that, that goes kind of into the stun gun theory. I guess the stun gun would have made a long and wide irritation, but yeah. these marks were very circular. 
very specifically lined, you know, they're separated. Right. And they were abrasions, not burns. Right. So it's very stun gun doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Also, stun gun, as we saw in the documentary, is very violent, very oh, yeah. like makes a lot of noise. It wouldn't subdue it her. It wouldn't like subdue her. It would actually probably do the opposite and make her scream. Yeah. So yeah, it's possible after the fact, like maybe when she was dead, but it still doesn't make sense that right. they would be using a stun gun after she's dead. Right. And even that wouldn't leave that wouldn't have left that. Right, point. exactly. And then one other thing from the autopsy is that pineapple was found in her intestines. And this is after the Christmas party, so after she had had dinner and that had already passed through her system. So the only thing that was found was, was pineapple. this pineapple. Yeah, they talk about that, that at that point, the dinner had already digested mm-hmm. and like it was enough time had passed that where the pineapple had been out of her stomach and was in the intestine. Right, so and that was the only just thing. Happened. And, yeah. and they talked about swallowing being a very conscious thing. You don't swallow in your sleep necessarily. Right, exactly, so, yeah. Um, she was alive and she chose to swallow so that means it wasn't forced off her throat you know that she ate a pineapple at some point so now you get to go into your stuff so now we're going to get into all the theories we have uh three main theories that are pretty prominent and everybody talks about them um the first theory we're going to talk about is the intruder theory let me just go right off the bat and say the intruder theory does not no. make any sense at all. No. Um, so the biggest, the first thing that we talked about was the note. Right. Spending 20 minutes, which would probably have been more because like we said, it was original thought. Yeah. It and two other drafts. And two other drafts. So, so we're talking probably close to an hour. Oh, yeah, because even being generous, if you write super fast, right. you can have a super quick thought like that. And with two drafts, right. and they were writing like that. 30 minutes at the very best would yeah. have been... I would say closer to 45 to an hour would make more sense right. than writing three drafts right. of of a hun- of a 370 yeah. plus word, yeah. uh, two and a half page note. Right. Um, that, that doesn't make sense. If your goal is to kidnap the kid, you're taking too much time. Right. And if you did, if you took the kid out and came back in, that's also stupid. <laughs> right. Um, I'm not, I'm not somebody who robs places or, or goes into houses, but I think I know that once you leave, you shouldn't go back in for something. Um, the next thing that we talked about, you know, we talked about it in the last episode was, um, the broken window, um, down in the basement where it had been broken a month earlier because apparently, you know, John was notorious for locking himself out, um, in the corner of the window that was open, there was a very distinct cobweb. Mm-hmm. And these photos were taken, people, after the crime. Right. After the commission of the crime. The day of. The day of. Yeah, yeah the day of finding. Literally, the day of finding John Manette. Yeah. There's a cobweb in the corner. And if you look at this window, the door, the window doesn't open completely all the way. Right. All the way. The frame is big enough to where, like, an adult male could fit through it. Yeah. But you would have to, your entire body would basically right. because be. Because you're coming down yeah. from, like, if you're outside, you'll be out, like, on a patio, like, ground right. level. You would have to go down into the. Yeah. I mean, like, the seal. space, like, the like the way that the, the that in, you know, the, uh, the grate in there, yeah. um, it's probably about 
about a foot wide yeah. of an opening to get down there and then then there's a little bit of actually a lip yeah so you're not you're not right on the on yeah. the window when you get down there so your entire body would fill that area okay. going into that especially the way you would have to kind of shift yeah, your body so to get sideways, in yeah. so you'd be sideways so you would most definitely um break those cobwebs and there would be more debris also kind of disheveled and there oh, isn't yeah. anything right. um so um like we said the window had already been broken everything was undisturbed if you you know even if you think it's an intruder it still doesn't necessarily put the ramses out of question right because there have always been a lot of theories about whether or not that this was something that they tried to Correct. cover up. You know, that there has always been like, especially somebody even talked about the intruder theory had to do with maybe um, a child sex ring. Oh, yeah, ring, we were talking about that before. Um, where um, there was like a, a pedophile ring in in, in And Boulder. there was a high amount of... Um sexual offenders yeah and i think i think it was in the morbid episode there's something like you know 30 something or 40 yeah. in, in the neighborhood right but you gotta remember like sex offender you can get on the sex offender list by paying in public so you right. kind of have to look at it with both sets of like yeah exactly standards but yeah like for sure that kid whether when people were especially we're talking about sexual assault you know one theory that goes in with the untrue theory is like well were they pimping her out right and, and, and one of the reasons why that comes up is, you know, there's a couple, um, we won't really get into this mm -hmm. as much, but there's a couple guys that, yeah. that show up on the list. Uh, one is a, uh, Mark Carr, yeah. um, and there's Gary Olivier. Um, he's, those are two guys that claim to have some responsibility um, for John they slept with her at some right. point. Or... Um, like David, uh, Mark David Carr, um, uh, was um you know claimed that he had, had had a relationship with her and that he loved john benet and had a picture and had a picture of her in his wallet yeah um, but i mean at that point when he was found everybody had a picture of john right. benet somewhere exactly um and then this gary olivia guy um apparently several years later or that well apparently according to a friend had um said that he had been responsible for right this uh this young girl's death and then the friend saw the news the next day about about john benet and then years later an inmate in prison claimed that he talked about saying that he was the one who killed john benet right so there's even if those two guys had any involvement in it um which is very unlikely um because they're obviously right. on the registry if there was any dna that was found and it would have linked them it would have linked... go back to the crime scene and there like was, yeah you know actually you guys know i'm forever gonna quote them but you know if one allele is entered differently right. it's never gonna pop up somewhere and they else. even talked about it in the documentary is that when the police put in the alleles they only did um four markers four instead of markers instead of 16 yeah i mean that's a vast difference it is. people and don't realize the how technology much... was so different right. too so the way of entering and the the, the markers and right. things like that have changed yeah. so i would love for it to be re I yeah. redone, but again, we're talking about it could have been a hundred percent a red herring. Right. And there was, you know, one thing I didn't mention with the autopsy, there there was evidence of 
past sexual assault on John Monet, meaning it wasn't a recent yeah. thing. And I believe it was the parents that said she had had an injury on the bike. Yes. So yeah. I'm not going to throw her under the bus, but somebody that I am related to had an issue on a bike. It was it's not funny. So if she ever listens, like don't get mad at me. But like we were at the beach and she flipped her bike and it, there yeah. was there were issues. So I can understand that that could be plausible, right? Um, just because I knew somebody that happened yeah. to. But highly unlikely right. given the circumstances. And then you go back to the pageant stuff. Like as yeah. much as I want to say it was innocent and wonderful, you never know. There, there's definitely a possibility of some element of dark dark side to that but i think it's very clear if you really look at all the facts intruder whether it was just an intruder on its own or the ramses just doesn't make sense right um it doesn't fit with what happened on that day um and it just it just it's not plausible right so now um we'll get into our next theory it's the patsy theory yes so another theory that was really prominent especially at the time was that patsy snapped John Bonet was still having issues with bedwetting, um, and we're going to get more, I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, but she, um, she being Patsy, she never had a history of violence. And you got to remember that John Bonet was her, like, prized joy. This is the, you know, John Bonet was it for her. She gets to live out her dreams, we get to do the pageants, we get to do things, and like, she, John Bonet is her girl. So the theory is that she got either woken up by John Monet or John Monet, um, so somehow she ended up in her room with her and she had wet the bed. Patsy snapped, got angry, threw her against the tub, which cracked her skull. Patsy freaks out, and then you know, the whole cycle of events occurs. We can pretty much all agree that she wrote the ransom note um, because right. that. The analysis does yeah, say I mean, that, it, you know, hammering analysis think that it was 100% Patsy. That I, don't, I don't think most most people disagree that that's the truth. So I don't, yeah. you know, you can argue it for sure because I guess we'll never really know. But Right, because unfortunately Patsy has since passed away. So she has. Um, we, we don't have a way of really testing that theory that much. but Well, then we have our handwritings from other things. That's true. So it's just, it's very hard to mimic people's handwritings. Yes. Um, <laughs> one thing to think about, too, is like, you know, to mimic somebody's handwriting, I think about Disney mm-hmm. and like all of the cast members or characters. If you get Ariel's signature, it's the same now as it was 70 years ago. And it's because they have to go through training to right. learn how to do this handwriting. So for it to be so similar to Patsy... Nobody went through a training right. to, to copy Patsy's handwriting to then make like, a No matter how sophisticated this, this murderer or intruder might have been, he's obviously not studying Patsy's handwriting. Right. Yeah. And then studying it enough to then make it a little right. different. Exactly. So it just doesn't make sense for anybody else. And, and we all agree that the note was a red herring. So regardless of what we decide happened, if you do believe it is the Patsy theory that she snapped and she's the one who did it, um, then the rest of it also kind of goes with it of like, okay, well then what did they do to then cover it up? This one, I think we're going to have to tag team, um, because, uh, now we're going to get into what probably the rest of this episode is going to be us talking about. Did you read that first sentence? I did, and I'm <laughs> preparing myself for the fact that, like I said, 
Don't sue us. Don't sue us. Um, but um, the Burke theory, and as my lovely wife has said, is this a theory, though? Because I think he probably pretty certainly did it. <laughs> so. He almost, and I mean, positively 100%, 99.9. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and let, me, let, me, let me go off by saying as much as I um, uh, don't want to get um, sued, I agree. Um, with this, and but we'll, we'll tell We're you. We're not the only ones. I think the reason that he can sue like certain people, like Dr. Phil, is because they didn't mention what we are going to mention at the end of this. Right. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it at this point. Yes. But, you know, I'm not that worried about getting sued, even if we do make it big and he does hear right. us, because... We're not the only ones to say it. Yeah. And what are we going to do about it? You right. know, I, just because we have this theory. Because this theory's definitely been out there. So if, I wasn't if even we, born yet. Right. I wasn't there. I don't right. know what happened. Also, this theory's been out there forever. If he was going to get arrested, it would have happened by now. But we'll get into that. But from the very beginning, Burke, his interviews with police and with like CPS, um, they were really odd. I mean, and he was a weird kid, yeah. to to say the least. Um, he was nine years old at the time uh, of the of the murder. Nine years, eleven months, um, and uh, he um, he just he was an interesting kid. And and they they had a lot of um, he and Dominic argued a lot. Yeah, and he had a lot of issues himself. Yeah, um, in terms of things that happened. You know, he had some issues with, uh... He liked to take his own feces. Yes. And smear it in JonBenet's room. Yes. I have read a couple of different, um, like, third-party psychological evaluations on Burke, um, meaning that they didn't actually interview him themselves slash give him the test to be able to say this for certain, a lot of the markers, um, I've seen it both ways, and I, I don't, I don't really have um, a leaning one way or another because, again, this is theories, and this is just on my part hearsay. But you yeah. know, some people say you look at high functioning autism, yeah, um, and one of the things that kids on the spectrum may struggle with is showing um, when they're upset and being able to handle it, right. and. It's not uncommon for children on the spectrum to maybe do that. Yeah. We don't know about Burke. And right. this is 1996. This that autism wasn't really wasn't handled really, the same yeah. way. Another thing that was mentioned is maybe assault, sexual assault, or abuse or negligence. Um, you see that a lot with kids that have some type of history of either abuse, sexual or physical, or right. neglect and abuse. Um it doesn't necessarily mean that Patsy and John did it or, you know, even that he was, sec you know, the whole sexual abuse thing I don't necessarily buy into just because, yeah. you know, if it happened to anybody, I see it being more JonBenet based on the circumstances she was in. Again, I don't really believe it that even happened to her, but for him, I do see him processing the situation as neglect, um, which is why he would act out, especially for JonBenet, because he wasn't getting attention. She was. Right. She's the one on stage. She's the one getting yeah. prettied up and getting all the attention and yeah. trophies and um, stuff. So, you know, we can kind of look at that a bunch of different ways with yeah. Burke. Um, but, like, he even talks about in the first uh, interview he has with uh, CPS mm -hmm. when, you know, the, 
the lady asks him about secrets. Like, don't you, do you have any secrets or anything yeah. like that? And uh, Burke says, like, you know, he, he, yeah, of course, but they're not secrets he would tell. Yeah, he was like, I don't know if I have secrets, but if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Right. And he's, like, smiling and giggling and laughing. Right, like, I mean, that's... His sister was murdered, and he does right. know this at this point. Right. This is a month and a half after, so that's another thing, too, is he wasn't yeah. even interviewed for a month and a half right. until after the fact. So. Exactly. There was an incident that had happened a yeah. year and a half earlier. So um, this was um, witnessed by, I believe, the gardener and... Had seen it. Well, I don't know who saw what happened. So the, the reports of this is so back and forth because the documentary says one thing, and then in all of my other research, it's so conflicting. It kind yeah. of goes back and forth. And the reason being is I don't know who actually saw it. We yeah. do know that the friend saw the scar after right. the fact. So, so one of her friends was the photographer that would take yes. like the family portraits, and she noticed the scar. Um, beneath JonBenet's eye. Yeah. Um, and what had happened was, I guess Burke got mad one day and hit JonBenet with a golf club. Right. And Patsy at the time did admit that that's what happened. Oh, they were just, you know, sibling fight. He got mad and he hit her. Yeah. And JonBenet had plastic surgery to remove yeah. the scar. And um, so, again, going back to the special attention in this scenario, yeah. kids fight, kids argue. Sometimes kids get more violent than what they intend to. Like, like with the golf club, like, I have one sister that, God love her, when she get very angry, she didn't realize what she was doing necessarily and grab things or do things that she didn't mean and when she realized it hurt us or whatever, she would immediately jump back and do something different. So could it have been that scenario of like, oh, I didn't really actually mean to do that? Absolutely. But it is weird to kind of think about um, when we go into this next little part of when he was in inter- what the next kind of questions were. Right. So, he was asked by the person um, from CPS, you know, how he felt about his sister being murdered Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and, like, what life was like. And um, he pretty just nonchalantly brushes it off as, like, you know, like, he says, like, well, like, his parents are crying. There's a lot of crying. But he's just playing video games. But he's just playing video games and even mimics, like, the sound of playing video games and, and... he basically, he literally tells the person, I just kind of went on with life. Yeah. Which is just... Yeah. I mean, this kid's 10 years old at this point. Right. He's He has the ability to express emotions, and he he's has the perfect. ability to understand what's going on in this situation, and he's obviously not showing any sort of emotion about the fact that his sister was murdered, right. like, a few months... And for him to say, I know a, what A month happened. and a half earlier. Right. Yeah, when asked, he said, I know what happened. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, he says, like, I know what happened, and then when she presses, right. he goes, well, I asked my dad. He he says that he knows what happened, and when the person asks, he goes, I asked my dad where they found her body, and, you know, maybe he, they took a knife or a hammer and hit her on the head. And he's mimicking this. Yeah. He's doing the action and not showing any remorse because... You know, I've seen other interviews of kids being asked similar questions that were not in the same situation necessarily, but in similar situations. And if if they acted out, it's typically like a like this. Right. Um. He showed like very small. He's got both he hands. He showed He's like, like vigor. Like he 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 was like very intent on showing how it happened. Right. And so that was just weird. Um. But what happened next, I think, was 
a lot more telling to me. The CPS uh, woman or uh, showed a picture. Actually, oh no, this at this point, this was later. this was eighteen months later. Actually, when the police were interviewing him, finally, yeah. he was showing Burke a picture um, of the dining room table. And on the dining room table, you can clearly see that there is a bowl of pineapple. Pineapple and milk. Pineapple and milk. Remember that, folks. And a glass of tea. And a glass of tea. And he just he didn't. He, he didn't want to say it. He he. They the the detective was like, "What what is on there?" And he goes, "Oh." I know what that is. Uh-huh. And he and said, then, what is it? Is it cereal? He said, no, it's too big to be cereal. Yeah. Uh, he goes, it's something. Uh-huh. He was evading that, that question mostly. That one, that one, I think, was just like, the other ones he answered oddly. This one, he 100% evaded answering that question. Another thing, too, is like the odd body movements. We talk about body, um, yeah. you know, body language anyway, but... Um, this is kind of going to go back to this, you know, children, him being on the spectrum. I, I don't know. He, I don't know that he's ever been formally diagnosed. Um, I couldn't really find a whole lot because Burke's been relatively quiet. But based off of what I've read from other analysis is that, you know, kids on the spectrum would show inappropriate behavior, inappropriate emotions, that type of thing. So that's why people kind of lean towards this theory. But he, at the, you know, at the time he's like sitting on this couch and he's like up. With his like knees to his chest, and they go to show him a picture, and he like gets on his knees in he's front of him. On his he's feet. sitting on his feet, and he's leaning towards, which I probably get really loud, but like leaning towards this picture, right. and he's like rocking and he's yeah. moving. Now he's eleven at this point, and right. um, so this is the the documentary on Netflix, the casting domine. They have a bunch of eleven year olds asking them to repeat it, and they're all like. A little weird, like yeah, you know, this is something sure. that's a little odd. But again, you go back to trauma too. It's like, is this how he's processing trauma? It could be, but it's a very, very odd behavior nonetheless. Whether you look at it from whatever theory you're right. looking at it as, right? And so then, like the interviewer, kind of, you know, the the detective asks him what happened, like the day of. Yeah. And he, this this right here, just was the icing on the cake. At this point, he's being a real smart ass. Mm-hmm. You can tell. Like, he's not he's not wanting to answer. And when the detective asked, like, if he had heard anything, he basically said, he said, you know, no, I was asleep. And, like, he's like, but you didn't hear anything. And it was, he was, now I sleep really deeply, like, really deeply sleep, never hear anything. Mm-hmm. He's trying to, like... Really deep. Never right, hear. Right. He's adding in... Overselling. That... that deceptive terminology and so you you know when a kid you you know how this works when a kid did something wrong he likes they'll they'll like to like be a little exaggerated when retelling the story let's think about the kid that takes the candy right i never eat that candy i never ever have that candy i only eat the red one i never have the green one it's the same kind of idea like i always really sleep deeply i never hear a thing like no, we do, because no matter how deeply you sleep, right. you do hear yeah. in your, your sleep sometimes. And, so. and and even though he then those like goes like in the morning, he was he could hear the commotion, commotion, going something going on, but he never apparently 
asked what was going on. Right. He said he never asked. He said he just assumed that they would tell him right. later on in the day. Right. But so, also, so that's weird. That's weird because then that also goes back to the 911 call. Right. Where, like we said earlier um, in, in, in part one, mm-hmm. that like. There's a smaller There's voice. definitely a smaller voice in the 911 call. But it definitely sounds coached because remember that Pat, uh, Patsy and um, uh, John were given police files before yes. they go in. So he was definitely coached in a lot of these answers sure. because um, at one point interviewer even asked, like, what did they tell you to say to me? And he was like, oh, <laughs> like, nothing. They didn't tell me anything. Right. He's very smart. Yeah. I mean, he he's able to kind of keep that side of the composure of, like, if he had a secret, which he definitely did. You know, the pineapples weren't even mentioned until, like, two months later. And that's when, and when he, he asks, you know, the detective asks him, you know, what his favorite fruit was, you know, and, like, he finally gets to say, oh, like, pineapple, you know, probably. And, and then the the detective asks, well, did your sister like pineapple? Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, she did. Yeah. You and then, then he wouldn't be pressed far that you couldn't ask him. Any yeah, questions. that was pretty much it. And keep in mind too, this is not something we mentioned yet. But John Monet supposedly was allergic to pineapple. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. So um, one thing that and they didn't mention it in the documentary, which I was really shocked about. But you know, we're, we're talking about this pineapple. One thing we didn't talk about at the forensic side of it was, you know, Patsy and Burks fingerprints were on this bowl nice. with John Bonet's. Yeah. And we'll get into that in just a minute too. But with that, you know, Patsy from the get-go said, I never gave him that. No, he was asleep. He was asleep. He was asleep. I never, I didn't make it. That The spoon was too big for that bowl. I would have never done that because she's just prim and proper lady. She did. The fingerprints yeah. were on it. She yeah. did that. She did make the pineapples and milk for Bert. Right. But with that, like, she very adamantly said, well, we wouldn't have had pineapple and, you know, he couldn't have had that because John Monet is allergic and we don't keep it out around her. Yeah. So that was her argument for Burke being asleep. And if he did it, he must have done it after she went to sleep, you know, as far as making the pineapple. So, yeah, she was supposed to be allergic to this. Right. And I don't know if she actually was or if that was just something that that was used right. to kind of enhance the story a little bit but yeah, yeah. no that, that was something that was mentioned a lot yeah. when they talked about the pineapple after the mm. fact of like yeah she's that. allergic huh. so with that what we're going to kind of talk about now is what we think is the theory of what happened that night right so like we said she came home they came home from the party and john put um john benet to sleep yeah um you know she was already sleeping in the car i put her to bed what happened next was that Patsy ended up waking her up mm-hmm. um, because she went downstairs to give Burke a snack, which right. ended up being pineapples and milk, which I never understood that I combination. Know. I was hoping you northerner would count. I have no idea what that is. I don't it's know. It's weird. Because um, he kept saying, like, fruit and milk, fruit yeah. and milk. And I don't know if that was, like, her version of a healthy cereal. I've never heard of that. But I've never maybe, maybe it's a thing. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But, um... What then happened was she took John Bonet to go to the bathroom because John Bonet had a history of, of bedwetting. Yeah, right. So take her to bed real quick so that she can, you know, or take her to the bathroom so she can go before bed. Yeah. And then um, what happened was she, you know, John Bonet got out of bed and was, you know, basically awake enough to want a snack as well. Right. In fact, she was going back to um, 
pack for their trip. Right, um, yeah. They were getting ready to go up to Michigan yeah. um, for a trip. And so John Bonet goes downstairs. And when Burke's sitting there eating, takes one of Burke's pieces of pineapple. And note that we said she takes the piece. Right, she didn't put her, she she didn't didn't put her hand. She didn't grab the bowl. She didn't grab the, the cup. She took a piece out, which is something, and like they talked about it. Kids do that all the time. Oh, yeah. You walk, you're sitting I mean, they there. They would do it to you, great, and first time. Right, exactly. First time your plate, my DNA is going to be on your plate. Right, you know, exactly. And just eat. But like kids, especially. Oh, yeah. Like they'll just go in there and like neatly pick like a piece yeah. out and be like, oh, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, be like, ha ha, yeah. pineapple. And it not be anything. Right. <laughs> like, well, in this case, though, with everything that's boiled up from the fact that Burke feels mm-hmm. like he's always underappreciated. As and that John Bonet gets all of the yeah. of the attention from the parents. He grabbed the thing. Closest he grabs to the him. thing closest to him, which was the, the mag light. Yeah, and hits her on the head. Yeah, you probably just hit her one time. Too. Right, and that's all it takes. Yeah, and because, she fell. And she fell. And what he did was he probably took the piece of the train. Right. Well, yeah, and here's where I kind of was messing with the timeline a bit. He probably hit her. He's probably still mad. He just walks away. He goes back and starts eating his pineapple again. It's true. Patsy's upstairs doing whatever, and she probably calls out and yeah. says, guys, it's time for bed. And he's like, oh, she's not getting up. Takes the train track at that mm-hmm. point. And, like, pokes her to try and see if she's awake, like, yeah. what happened. And that's when he realizes that... She's not breathing. She's not breathing. So he goes on the bed. And later... Patsy sees what happened and does what every parent does, which is they're trying to figure out what's going on. Figure out what's going on. And when she realizes what's happened, her thoughts are automatically going to We gotta save Burke. Right. She knows what happened. She knows Burke did it. She yeah. knows that Burke's past stuff will probably be used looked at him. and used against him. And she's just trying to save what child she has left. Right. And listen, what mother wouldn't do that? I mean, I understand. Right. You know, I would like to believe that I would be the mom to be like, no, like you answer for your, you know, answer for what you did. But I also understand that fight or flight too. Right. I, what I cannot wrap my mind around is the gruesomeness of what happens next. Yeah. I can't imagine Patsy doing it. And I think John did. I think when John came down to see what happened, he handled the crime scene the way that he thought that he should. And we're going to go back to the suitcase. Probably what happened is he decided, okay, we've got to make it look like a kidnapping. We're going to tie our hands. We're going to duct tape her mouth. I don't know at what point the garage came into place. I think, you know, at some point with, I think he, they did put her in the suitcase because she would have fit fine. And this would have been before rigor mortis sat in. Um, right. And, so she, they probably did put her in the suitcase to conceal her body for that, you know, at that time. And then when he disappeared for that hour and a half, restaged her body. And yeah. that's why he found her and moved her because now his DNA would be on her and they couldn't question it because he's the one who brought her upstairs. Right. So I, I think it was very well thought out. I, I think Patsy 100% wrote the note. I don't think that that's anything yeah. that we can While John's argue. taking care of everything else, Patsy's writing the note. Yeah. Um, and... And she probably didn't see the body again until right. he brought her upstairs. Probably I, not. Just because I couldn't imagine as a mom being able to watch that be done to your child. You know, right. even if it's in the act of saving the other child, I, I, I couldn't imagine that being. And this is her prize, her 
pregnant joy. You right. know, this is her child. And not that Burke wasn't, but like that w- she had a special bond with John Bonet. Right. And I, I just, yeah, I think, and then Burke got away with it. You know, Burke having had a history of being violent towards John Bonet before probably didn't see this as any, oh, well, oh, so now she's dead. Now I get my attention and whatever. Right. And then the, going back to the spectrum theory is he may not have, you know, been able to associate necessarily death or what happened with bad. Right. Um, so I don't know. I I think, yeah, that, I think that makes the most sense. Right. And we kind of touched on it earlier, and this is where kind of things, you know, get obviously, it's sad because you yeah. don't, there's no way that this could happen. But obviously when it comes to murder, there's no statute of limitations on murder. Right. Um, but... In the state of Colorado, there is a law on the books that if a child is 10 years of age or is younger than 10 years of age, they cannot be prosecuted. So at the time of the murder, like I said earlier, Burke was nine years, 11 months. Which is insane. Yeah. So, so even if we were to determine that the crime was committed by him... We couldn't, he couldn't even be tried for murder. Right. And the biggest argument for the 10, like the age of 10, and this is what infuriates me, is they say it's because your frontal lobe isn't developed. That is correct. Do you know where your frontal lobe is, where your frontal lobe is developed fully? 25. Right. 25. So, yes, his frontal lobe was not developed, but it's not going to be for quite some time. And the argument that kids can't, make those decisions. Right. Kids can't intentionally kill. Kids right. can't intentionally harm other kids. No, they can't. Yeah, no, they can't. Like the case of the two kids who stole the three year old out of the out of the mall, the busy mall. They right. left with the kid, took him to the train track and brutally murdered this right. child. You know, it does happen. Yeah. And kids can have the capability of doing it. And, and I it. think we obviously see from like his um from like his interviews that Burke is a smart kid, right? And that at nine years old, he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, he's not, he's very cognizant of what's I going on. I don't think around. he intended to kill John Bonet. No, no, I don't think that this was was an intent, premeditated, a premeditated murder. In but the least. if they had handled it correctly, nothing would have been done anyway. But they would have said it was right. an accidental death. Right. At least, like what we could have gotten out of this though was, if it was that was the case, the parents would have gotten what. You know what the law basically, what the grand jury would have ended up. Well, if they handled it correctly from the get go, if Patsy would have called police from right. the very beginning and said Burke hit her, it was an accident. Right. This wasn't intentional. He was under the age of ten. Nothing would nothing have happened would have anyway, happened. and he would have probably gotten right. the help that he needed. Yeah. If he is on the spectrum, because that, that's something that every time I look up his name pops up. Yeah. And him being on the spectrum, regardless if he is or not, has nothing to do with what happened. Right. It just has to do with how he reacted after the fact yeah. and how he you know, the inappropriate behaviors and things like that, you can kind of explain away some of that if that is the case. Right. Him hitting her, I, I, he only hit her one time. Right. So I don't think it was an intentional, I'm going to kill you today. I think it was, you took my pineapple, I'm mad at you, I hit right. you like I did with the golf club last year, right. and you should be fine. And unfortunately this time... It didn't end up that way. Right. So... 
I mean, where we're at with that. that's where we're at with that, folks. I mean, I think if you look at it, it makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, and I don't think most people have a way of arguing that. that no, this I don't think so either. I mean, I think it's pretty clear what happened here. Um, even if you have people like the Red Herrings that are the Gary Olivier's or or the uh, or right. Mark David Carr. I mean, those guys are just guys that are trying to get their five seconds of fame there. Yeah. Um, but I think looking at this from this perspective, you can't deny that this has got to be how it went down. Right. And on Burke's behalf, like, if he is on the spectrum, I really hope that he would have gotten help. Right. And had they have handled the situation correctly, if this is true, I think he would have. And yeah. Or at least disproved every, what everybody else is thinking. Because even Dr. Phil mentioned him being on the spectrum. And I know Dr. Phil's not... I, I understand that. But, like... I'm not the only one who's come across things that have been said to that, right. you know, effect. So, um, I don't know. I just, I hope that, you know, he's an adult now and I hope that he's gotten help that he needs, but we, we can't deny that he was an oddball of a child to begin with violent tendencies and inappropriate behaviors to things. Right. So I don't know that he was quote unquote capable of murder, Right. but I, I don't think that was intention. Right. So. Let us know what you think. Yeah, let us know what you think, guys. Um, I know this was a long, uh, you know, obviously we had two episodes for this one, and yeah. we felt like it would only do it justice if we did that. Um, but give us your opinions. Like, we always want those, and yeah. we want to hear what you have to say. I think, uh, you know, unless you can give us another one that might conclude our Christmas uh, yeah. uh, murders. But... Give us your theories. Let us know what you guys think. That's what we are here for. We want to hear that stuff. Yeah. Um, so you can talk to us at podcast.case.closed at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram page, Podcast Case Closed. Hey, and guys, we have a Patreon now. Yeah, like we said last episode, we have a Patreon now. So go ahead and check that out, guys. We'll have the link in this episode again, and we'll, uh, you know, be getting some exciting content out soon. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, you guys enjoy that. But uh, with that being said, um, everybody. Uh, I hope have you a have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah, have a, I hope you had a great Christmas and, a, and a, you'll have a great New Year. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Sweet. information presented in this podcast will be cited in the show notes. Music for Case Close composed by Catastrophic Jones. Editing by Olivia McDonald. Case Close is produced by Sean and Olivia McDonald.